Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Kiri Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments, so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Just a quick bit of housekeeping before I introduce our special guest today. I'm happy to announce my first book is now in print. The title is Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again, Fixing the Root Cause of Your Fatigue with Natural Treatments. I've discovered 14 root causes of fatigue. I like to call them the fatigue factors. And in this book, I explain eight of the 14. I've had some amazing feedback on how easy it is to read and understand. It's not full of technical doctoring language like most books written by doctors are. And of course, the book also includes my own personal fatigue story, along with four other stories from real fatigue cases from my private practice. It's available in paperback and Kindle form, so if you'd like a copy, you can find it on Amazon or on my website, www.drcarry.com. That's it for our housekeeping, so let's get started. I'm very excited about this week's show because my special guest is Dr. Delene Forrester Thacker. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Delene is a licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed professional clinical counselor. She is a certified eating disorder specialist, an expert in traumatic stress, and is certified in EMDR eye movement desensitization and reprocessing treatment and that's what we're going to talk about today is EMDR. Dr. Deline has a private practice specializing in the treatment of eating disorders, PTSD, and anxiety disorders. Dr. Deline, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Oh my pleasure Dr. Carey. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. So I think most of our listeners have probably never heard of EMDR. So can you explain what EMDR is and how it was developed? Sure, sure. Um, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. So it's kind of a mouthful. It's a, it's a type of psychotherapy that's... Uh, eye movement desensitization doesn't even begin to encapsulate everything that EMDR can do to help someone. Um, so a lot of people will um, Google EMDR, and they can find on the Internet a variety of information. Uh, sometimes there are YouTube videos that, that talk about um, kind of like what an EMDR session looks like. But it's, it's one of those psychotherapies that is... Um, incredibly simple looking and incredibly complex and so it should never be taken lightly and should not be tried at home alone without a therapist there to help guide the process. 
So it's, it's an integrated psychotherapy approach. When you think about EMDR, it's more holistic than just a psychotherapy. It's, a, it's more of an overall approach that, that forms uh, based on what's called the adaptive, <clears throat> excuse me, adaptive information processing model, a model that looks at both pathology and health developing out of early life experiences. So the the originator of EMDR, Dr. Francine Shapiro, uh, is a really fascinating story how EMDR was originally developed because uh, she was going through her own uh, experiences and she was a student of psychology. And being a student of psychology, she was very tuned in to paying attention to her own processes. Um, but as she was working on emotionally on something that was bothering her, she was taking a, a walk in in the park in San Francisco, and uh, she recognized, being a student of psychology, that as she had certain negative thoughts um, and became focused on them, her eyes began spontaneously moving uh, back and forth in a certain pattern. And she recognized that then that after that happened, she was able to call up the same memory without negative thought process. And so she thought she stumbled onto kind of this natural healing process and began her research to try and find out if other people could do this or other people had discovered this. And what she found was that most people didn't, one, didn't understand what she was talking about. But also when she would say, if you think about something disturbing, make your eyes go back and forth like this, people couldn't spontaneously do that. And so she developed um, a guy having people follow her fingers in a pattern. And she began to develop protocols uh, around the eye movements that help an individual identify the negative beliefs, the blocking beliefs in their life that are interfering with things. And then using this protocol or very, these specialized EMDR therapy protocols, a therapist can guide an individual to look into kind of a, a negative uh, life-affecting belief system and calm it down, go back to its roots. It's kind of, I often refer to it as a root canal, and I know others do also, a root canal of a traumatic memory. Um, although as we learn more and more about EMDR, the memories do not have to be the type of trauma that we associate with huge, what we call big T traumas. Um, they can also be small T traumas, and a big T trauma is something very obvious, like a car wreck or a train wreck, um, something, a rape, something that you can say that is a big trauma. A small T trauma is something more insidious, kind of like a child growing up in a household with domestic violence or having uh, being uh, the youngest in a family of three with older brothers who relentlessly tease, uh, or older sisters, or, you know, just relentless teasing, um, being exposed to bullying. And, and so EMDR 
can help the EMDR therapist with EMDR therapy can help the individual go back to these when these earlier negative beliefs were laid down and help to calm down the, the limbic system uh, around that issue and, and really shift that negative belief to a more adaptive resolution, a more uh, natural belief. So if, if I came to your office for EMDR treatment, mm-hmm. can you explain what a session would be like? What would, you, what would you ask me? What would I have to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, typically when someone comes in and says, or gives a call and says, I would like to do EMDR therapy, um, they've seen a video or a 2020 segment or heard a podcast like yours, Dr. Carey, and so they say, I think this is right for me and I, I want uh, to have some EMDR. And so sometimes their expectation is that they will walk in, they will do EMDR, and they will walk out changed. And it's much more complex than that, so I don't want an unrealistic expectation the therapist still needs to have the individual come in and get a thorough history and an understanding of traumatic memories or of things that the person is looking to change in their life. So often there's three to three to four sessions, sometimes five, of getting a real ground laying of the uh, person's uh, life experiences because the clinician needs to understand both how this person has developed whatever is going on from a, uh, a, a variety of standpoints. So not only is how it is affecting the person in a negative way, but also maybe how this came in to help the person uh, in a positive way. You know, sometimes what we see is an, uh, a problem, like maybe an eating disorder, actually developed as a solution to another problem, you know. So, so it's, if somebody comes to the office, what we're looking at is a very good, thorough, comprehensive history taking. And then the therapist, based on what they learn about the individual, can decide where they need to take this individual in, in terms of thinking about a, a past event. So I might have an individual who we're uh, looking at something that happened uh, early in their life where they have a belief system that I am unlovable or there is something wrong with me. And so we would then begin to go back to early examples where that memory was laid down. And I would help the person outline uh, a, a specific protocol um, starting with their memory or their uh, their vision, memory, image, whatever they can grasp of that. And then we would look for negative cognition or negative belief that is surrounded with that. And we'd build up this protocol and we would begin to do the eye movements, which would be having the person sit uh, across from me in such a way that we're almost like two trains passing on two different tracks or two ships passing next to each other so that the therapist can uh, guide the individual with their eyes, with their hand kind of going uh, vertically back and forth, sometimes horizontally, depending on, the, or excuse me, horizontally typically and sometimes vertically, depending on what the individual needs. 
and those are clinical judgments that the clinician makes. So the the individual would track the therapist's fingers, or sometimes a therapist will use a wand um, and track the fingers or the wand back and forth. Sometimes therapists use things called light bars where they kind of follow a, a LED light back and forth. And uh, then the therapist will periodically stop and have the individual kind of let go of what's going on and ask them what came up. And then the therapist would use that information to guide them to continue towards, path, uh, towards health, cleaning out the pathology and, and helping to develop more of the, the health, the natural healing process, um, which is an, an interesting point because it's... This is really just what the brain would naturally do. We, we are exposed to traumas day in and day, day out, big and little. Uh, and normally when something happens that is traumatic or upsetting, we can think about it and it doesn't develop into a problem or a pathology. Because our brain is naturally designed to think about something, talk about something, work it through. So with EMDR, it's when something gets stuck and it becomes a problem, then the therapist is really just, we've found a way, thanks to Dr. Shapiro, to go in and, and just kind of tap the brain, flick the brain, and, and get it to restart on this certain area and begin to uh, think it through and come up with a more healthy resolution and solution. So by the end of the session, some, sometimes, for instance, if somebody comes in and they have a memory of being bullied in the schoolyard, and from that memory, they have laid down a lifelong pattern of beliefs around there's something wrong with me where I'm not good enough, the therapist can help them to work that to a complete calming uh, with EMDR to a more positive, healthy resolution, which might be something along the lines of that really had nothing to do with me. The other person was a, a bit of a bully or that person must have been having a very bad day. So it, it develops not just a an opposite of I'm a wonderful person, um, although sometimes a, a person walks away with a really good feeling about themselves, but a much more realistic version than what the person has laid down over time where they felt that I was singled out for me. But, but kind of a uh, forgiveness, uh, a recognition that the under, other individual may not have intentionally planned to cause them a lifelong pattern of negative beliefs. So it's it's really flicking the brain to begin its natural healing process and um, by these guided eye movements. And so the psychotherapy looks deceptively simple because it is just saying, I'm going to hold up my fingers and I want you to just follow this pattern back and forth and then I'm going to stop and periodically ask you what came up or what you're noticing now. And um, and people say, well, gosh, this is, this is so simple. Um, why do I have to go to a therapist for it? And it is because the therapist is actually using every bit of their psychological training to guide the individual back to the 
uh, core uh, issue, the, the touchstone event that developed this negative cognition, and then also using all of their skills to stabilize the client and to bring about this adaptive resolution that allows the brain to really begin to function in such a way that it sees things as like, this is my new normal. So a lot of times people will come in for EMDR and they may down the road say, yes, EMDR was helpful, but they forget how impaired they were before because the brain is so wonderfully adaptive. It says, I've always felt this way and it forgets how severe it was before. Um, so a lot of times with EMDR, people come in and they may, in 10, 10 or 15 sessions, do a really big piece of work that's been kind of following them around for their whole life, and their life gets uh, changed so dramatically in the positive, and yet at the same time, they don't always see it as the EMDR made the change. Um, my favorite is when a client will say, when they come in and, uh, and they're describing a lot of much more healthy things that they're doing, and I say, uh, you know, do you think that had anything to do with the EMDR? And they'll go, eh, maybe, but I think it was just time to change. So thanks for explaining that because I personally don't know much about EMDR. So to kind of put it very sim- simplify it mm-hmm. uh, for the listeners, basically when you're in a session, uh, you the therapist, you are able to figure out what trauma you want to work on and mm-hmm. that person remembers the trauma while they're going through a series of eye movements. Mm-hmm. And then... Yes. I think for some of our listeners, that's going to sound kind of woo-woo. So, you know, I as a doctor understand that the eyes are like basically a direct extension of your brain through the optic nerve. So can you explain why EMDR is not woo-woo and and why it's valid (laughs) and some of the research behind it? Oh, there's uh, phenomenal amounts of research by it behind it right now. It is the most well-researched trauma treatment out there. And um, it was recently recognized by the World Health Organization as, uh, as one of the number one uh, therapies for working with trauma memories, that along with cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so there is a lot of research behind it. When we try to figure out kind of like what makes a psychotherapy work, a lot of times we're looking at pure theory because we don't know why cognitive behavioral works. We don't know why psychodynamics psychotherapies work. We don't know the exact mechanism of EMDR. We don't know. But we have some hypotheses about how the eye movements are deeply involved with REM sleep and how an individual, when they're in REM sleep and the eyes are moving back and forth, which is a stage of sleep where a person is deeply dreaming, that a lot of the day's residues get processed at that time. And so one of the theories around EMDR is that it, it, it instigates the eye movements connected with uh, REM sleep and helps the individual to let go of traumas in that way. 
other theories use the ideas that the eye movements, again, like you say, directly connected to the optic nerve, but also into the brain, into the thalamus, into the limbic system, that these eye movements cause a calming of the limbic system so that the person can think through things a little more clearly without all of the emotionality. So there are actually several theories around it, but we do know it's been very well researched, um, even um, with the, are you familiar with SPECT scans? Yes, but can you explain that for our our listeners? Our listeners. A SPECT scan is a single photon in motion, a, a single photon Emitting. <laughs> Emitting, thank you. <laughs> what is that E for? <laughs> uh, a computerized tomography. And it is a type of scan, kind of looks like a CT scan or a PET scan um, or an MRI when you see an image of the brain. The difference with SPECT is that the person uh, has a dye technetium injected into their system that the brain we can really pay attention to the blood flow within the brain and what parts of the brain are, are actively working at various times. And so we know from these SPECT scans, when an individual has been traumatized, they show a particular pattern in the brain called the, we often refer to it as the PTSD diamond, that involves the limbic system and it involves the uh, cingulate gyrus being overactive. And so we can notice that that particular pattern in the brain in an individual and pre-EMDR, do EMDR, and that pattern resolves. And this is a pattern that is consistent with trauma, and if, a, if the trauma is not resolved, it does not uh, disappear. It does not resolve in the post-scan. So we have actual brain evidence of that. Um, taking place and, and researchers who are very big in the field of trauma such as Bessel van der Kolk has been one who's done that research as well as Dr. Daniel Amen, who does a lot of SPECT scan uh, imaging uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's really wonderful to be able to have that kind of confirmation in terms of how uh, EMDR does actually resolve, not just from people's reports, which is what most of the research is on, is people's pre-testing or pre-reporting on how how many nightmares they're having, how their life is being interfered with um, as a result of a trauma, or how depressed they are. And then we do EDR, and then we have the post-test that measures the exact same things, and we consistently see dramatic drops. Um, I personally did a research project using EMDR with bulimia, and uh, it was a small research project because I'm in private practice, so it's very hard to get that to happen. But in 50% of the individuals that I work with within the uh, 12-week cycle, 50% of them no longer qualified for the diagnosis of bulimia based on utilizing EMDR to clean out the early life traumas that were driving the bulimia. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. So, so, uh, again, to kind of simplify and recap for our listeners, a SPECT scan is a scan of the brain. You might have seen it, uh, like a picture of it on the Internet or like on uh, a news channel. It's like a very colorful Mm -hmm. scan of the brain. And 
And what Dr. Delina is saying is that in the, the limbic area, which is basically the core emotional area of the brain, that there's going to be a higher intensity signal. And then after you do the EMDR, uh, the, the brain basically can, can go back to normal on that mm-hmm. scan. Yes. That's Very fantastic. exciting. Very exciting. Yes. And, uh, and again, can you review what kind of problems can EMDR treat or what are the best kind of problems that EMDR is like really noted for treating? And mm-hmm. as you said, there, there's big traumas and there's small traumas. So can you give our listeners a list? Well, if they were to look into the research, EMDR is normed and and validated most consistently with post-traumatic stress disorder. And so used with Vietnam veterans, used with Iraq, Afghanistan, the multitude of veterans who uh, we're dealing with and their families who have been exposed to traumas, that, that's the ideal trauma. Uh, situation that has been normed on and most well researched. Uh, it's also been researched for a variety of anxiety disorders. Uh, for uh, it's being used a lot in uh, addiction protocols because we know that so many of life's problems develop as a result of an earlier experience in life that the person is trying to compensate. You know, when we develop alcoholism or we develop a drug addiction, often we're trying to deal with the anxiety or the depression or things like that. And so um, EMDR can help to work with anxiety disorders. Uh, Like I say, I've done a research project with eating disorders. It's not unusual for eating disorder treatment facilities nowadays to include EMDR as a part of treatment. Um, but it's it's very well researched with trauma and anxiety disorders, and uh, like I say, the big T traumas are what kind of get all uh, most of the recognition, because uh, there's more uh, ability to get funding for those kinds of research. Those research dollars are more available. And so, as you had um, you you mentioned a little bit earlier that. Um, EMDR looks deceptively simple, and yes. yet it's really up to the the practitioner, the therapist, um, that they really need to have the skill to figure out what actually needs to be treated and what doesn't really need to be treated. So I know you are very highly skilled because you have all of this training in EMDR and you're certified, and I believe you even train other practitioners in it also. I do. I do. I'm an EMDR trainer, basic trainer, so, and advanced trainer. But, yeah. So if there are listeners out there right now who are interested in learning more about EMDR, how can they find a practitioner that's properly trained? That's a great question because we want you want proper training, not just I read a book. Yes. <laughs> so the best spot to go to would be emdria.org. And that stand, that's the EMDR International Association. And uh, you can go in there and there's a find a therapist uh, search engine. So you can type in your zip code and you can find a therapist who is a, appropriately EMDR trained, is a member of an association that shows a higher level of commitment to the 
to the understanding it. And then there are also other designations such as becoming certified where the person has done extended consultation on their EMDR skills or becoming an approved consultant where they actually also consult. So for our listeners out there, I'll make sure that those links are in our podcast notes. And then uh, one last question for you, Dr. Deline. Can you give us a real world example from one of your actual clients, you know, keeping everything private? And but, confidential, yes, Yeah, of yeah. Course. Can you give yeah. us a real world example of like what they came in to see you for, what they were struggling with, and then how many treatments they needed, and then the, the effects that they had from EMDR? Okay, sure. Um, the Probably one of my favorites is a, uh, a woman. She was in her 40s. That's one of my recent favorites because I tell you, I just, I, you see miracles in this field every day when you are an EMDR therapist. Um, 40-ish, she had been just kind of a life of um, feeling very much like there was something wrong with her. Uh, had she had had an eating disorder earlier in her years, struggled for recovery, had weight issues, low self-esteem, had gone through a divorce, was just um, really feeling like life is hard, uh, difficult to find a career path, just really struggling with communication issues in in her current relationship, things like that. And and basically, you could hear her say, um, "There's something wrong with me," uh, in almost everything she said. And so. We did the EMDR. We did several EMDR sessions with her. With her, she stayed probably, I want to say, in therapy for about a year, just out of her choice for personal growth. Um, but one of the most profound was an EMDR session where she went back to being a um, three-year-old child being molested by her grandfather, and she could remember that memory and um, see herself uh, being molested and had the belief that there is something wrong with me because I didn't stop it, um, that, that, that I must have created this experience. And then doing the, we actually did a full two-hour EMDR session on her to get to the root of that one and clean that out to a full resolution of, really, there was there's nothing wrong with me. He... 60-year-old men don't, or three-year-old children don't seduce 60-year-old men was where she came to. When she got that realization, it was a complete relief of that, a complete relief of the ideas that she, that there was something wrong with her and that she had to make it up all the time and that she was uh, just had this general underlying discomfort. And so she was able to increase her relationship and be able to function more communicatively and be more... Um, mature in her emotional relationships with the adults that were in her life, uh, able to consolidate where she was going and get a career path and focus on that and go uh, complete that. Uh, And just tremendous amounts of growth, as you can imagine, if you've gone through your life believing there's something wrong with me because I didn't stop the abuse when I was three. And you suddenly get the perspective that three-year-olds don't seduce 60-year-old men. Then all of that shame and guilt and responsibility just melts away. 
and it changes the person's life. And so that's, um, you know, but uh, like I say, I get those kinds of experiences that you can't even really quantify how much that can change an individual's life when they've been packing around that kind of shame, guilt, sense of responsibility um, that they had brought that on themselves. Yeah, that's a phenomenal story of recovery. That's just amazing. You and I were in such privileged positions that we can, you know, that we can help our patients to such a deep level. And and that we get the beauty of watching that every single day, the transformations that even our clients don't see because they're they're living it. You know, so they're like what they, it's like watching grass grow. But when I watch somebody who who comes in and maybe six or eight weeks later, they're standing more confidently, they're walking more confidently, they're talking more confidently, they're making decisions in their life that are very proactive and very self-supportive rather than self-sabotaging. It's, it's, it's just beautiful. It's just such an exciting, privileged place to be when you get to watch that transformation. And, and it's wonderful, too, that people can go through that with their therapist and with a psychotherapy like EMDR, they don't walk out feeling like the therapist changed me. They walk out knowing that they were an active participant in their therapy and that they changed themselves and that the, this is a change within their brain. So it's not giving up power. It's, it's really feeling empowered. So, Dr. Deline, we're running short on time, and and I know some of our listeners, if they live locally, they would probably like to see you because you are such an expert in your field. So, can you tell our listeners how how can they find out more more about you? Where is your practice? Sure, my my practice is in Redding, California, uh, in Northern California. I have a website; it's DelineForster.org, and I know you'll put a post that so I don't have to worry about the correct spelling um, but uh, or if they're a therapist and they're looking for EMDR training I have a training website and that's AEI the number four Y-O-U dot com and I know you'll post that also <clears throat> excuse me um, or they can call my office at area code 530-245-9221. And, and if I can't see them, because I do teach and train so much, I know therapists all throughout the United States and beyond <laughs> that do EMTR and have trained a lot of people and uh, can find a good match. Because it's also that psychotherapist-patient match. You, know, you, you need to feel comfortable with the person you're seeing. I guess I have one last question for you because uh, you were kind of describing how it, how a session of EMDR, uh, what it usually looks like and that you're usually uh, sitting close and you're looking in your client's eyes and you're looking for clues. So that kind of made me think, can any of this be done over Skype? There, it, there was a recent research project, and I believe it was about two years ago, where an individual uh, has has researched doing a type of Skype because we have to pay attention with HIPAA compliance things. It, but it's a it's another platform, um, but um, EMDR remotely. The difficulty with that is when people trap t- tap into very difficult emotions. It's important to have an individual close 
spy who can make sure that they're very supported and very contained. And so remote EMDR works better with somebody who has already got a, a well-established relationship with a therapist and has done kind of the core cleaning out first. Um, and then it can be done. It's, it's always safer in person right now as far as we can tell because of if somebody taps into really deep, difficult emotions and they just get upset and leave the room, then, then getting them to be able to complete the, the process uh, is, that's disruptive and so not, not really recommended unless the person has a lot of experience with it. That totally makes sense. So really the best... Uh, treatment for EMDR is one-on-one and I mean that's really the best treatment for any kind of uh, you know if it's medicine or if it's seeing a naturopath it you know it's one-on-one so yeah yeah and that that because that way you're 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 paying the clinician to utilize all of their knowledge and there is a piece of that that misses when you're doing that kind of remote work whether it's over telephone or Skype um, because the when you're in, in 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 presence of another, we witness the individual so much more than we can even talk about, as you know. So for our listeners that live near Redding, which is a beautiful part of California, I was there once and I told my husband, if we ever move, this would be a nice place to move. <laughs> <laughs> it is gorgeous. We have our beautiful sundial bridge on the Sacramento River that we just... Yeah, I, I remember that. We walked across that. It's just... Just amazing. So if any of our listeners live near Reading, you can certainly contact Dr. Deline. And uh, if you don't live near Reading, there are many practitioners throughout North America in the U.S. and Canada that do EMDR. Yes, there's the Canada EMDR group is very active. So Dr. Deline, I want to thank you for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love talking about EMDR. (laughs) All right. This wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Deline Forster-Thacker. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.